Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales, where we believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I'm also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part two of two, where we are talking to Claudia Blood about her novels. After today, you will have heard about writing from a young age, overcoming writer's block, dealing with negative reviews, trying to make sense of your dreams, finding your audiobook narrator, learning how to promote your books, making sure to keep your story trucking along, not bogging it down with the details with an info dump, and flying by the seat of your pants. To a point. Ravine. Renegades Rising. A brilliant scientist? A tragic mistake? Can she save what she's already lost? Ravine has worked hard to see the launch of Horizon, the first light drive come to fruition. But her laser focus on the big day leads to tragedy when her daughter is caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. When Ravine discovers the truth behind the accident, she seeks vengeance against the company at fault and is given an impossible choice that leaves her on a year-long flight to deep space. Lonely, despondent, angry, Ravine is lost. Until she discovers a video that seems to show her daughter being saved by a mysterious figure on that fateful day. Confident the message she receives is from her future self, Ravine sets out on a mission to invent time travel and go back to change the past. Only messing with fate and time has unintended consequences. Ravine must become the villain to be a hero. Ravine is one of four interconnected novellas. The full arc of the story is resolved in the final novel. This novella ends in a cliffhanger. So we talked about um, before this that you have not figured out TikTok yet. What is, what have you or what are you scared of figuring out? (laughs) So... I, uh, okay, so I'm kind of a dork. I'm not going to lie, right? Like, I like Dungeons and Dragons. I like science, right? Like, so I'm I'm a nerd <laughs> at heart, right? But I'm, you know, I'm a social enough nerd to recognize that people look at me sometimes and they're like, wow. <laughs> I get the pat on the head, right? Like, yeah. wow, okay. So the, the TikTok thing is, um, and okay, and I even have a girlfriend who did TikTok and then had such a horrible backlash that she left TikTok. Like she was one of those people who had thousands of negatives on her video for something that wasn't even like something she was focused on. And she's the sweetest, kindest little thing. And it like devastated her. So there's me socially awkward thinking about doing my little videos and thinking, what well, like the house is going to work, right? Like I'm just so <laughs> afraid of like being live and just being a dork that everybody's, you know, they're going to pat me on the head and be like, yeah, no, no, you can't even talk. Like, I'm going to read your book. Like, ah, oh, whatever. So I just, I, it's just the, the, the fear, I guess, of being too dorky. Yeah, that, so 
I feel like every author that I've talked to has said that they're socially awkward. So there's that. we're authors, right? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just the fact that, like, you can't write a book with a bunch of people around you. You spend most of right. your day in solitude. So it would right. make sense that, like, that's what you're used to. Yep. Your your friends are in your head, which sounds crazy because it is slightly crazy, but it's you all slightly. come up with amazing stories from it. So who cares? <laughs> Um, none of you have been committed for the stories you write. Stephen King, prime example. Right. Not committed. <laughs> not committed. <laughs> not writes the committed. most disturbing books ever. <laughs> but, like, I had the, because um, I work from home, so I don't, I'm a very chatty person, but I spend most of my day by myself with my eight-year-old, now eight-year-old. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, you know, my husband gets home and I'm, like, talking his ear off, but I don't do that in public most of right. the time. Right. Um, so I start the podcast and I'm like, oh, it would be great if on YouTube I could have this like behind the scenes situation going on. And then I'm like, that means oh, you're going to no. have a camera in your face <laughs> while you're talking <laughs> and messing up. Ooh, ooh, you're like, ooh. And your family knows about this. So you can't exactly be just like... Right. And and I'm so afraid I'm going to say something that's taken the wrong way, right? Like, I don't, in today's day and age, people seem just so angry about everything. And I'm just like, but I'm not, like, I don't know. Yeah, there's part of it. I try to keep my nose out of all the drama because yes. and most like drama. of the drama, most of the drama, I don't have a educated leg to stand on. So, like, it's better right. just to stay quiet than to, like, say something that's completely wrong. Yep. Um. But I feel like the people that people don't get mad about are the ones that find out they did something wrong, apologize, you know, from right. a place of they are actually apologetic, not a, oh, I'm so sorry I made y'all mad. <laughs> like, right. Because there right. are Which ones is so that have not done. Apology. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's not sincere. As long as right. it's sincere and then you, you know, take this you know, for authors, it would usually be you used problematic material and you're writing of your book or whatever that's right, usually whatever. an author's thing or you said right. something right. on social media that got yep. you in trouble yeah but as long as you i mean there are some things that i've seen controversy over that should not have been said at all but yeah. sometimes we write things and it's mostly a you just don't know right well and there's also that whole thing like, you know, okay, so Ravine is an example, right? She's killed people. She has sent people to their death. She has done mm -hmm. these terrible, horrible things. So for the record, I've never killed anybody. I have no plans <laughs> to kill anybody. I have, right? Like, just, I'm like, so glad you clarified list, that. Right? Right? I'm not a serial killer, but she kind of is. So, but there's like taking it less dramatically though. So if you have someone who says something that is um, phobic or whatever, that's the character, right? Like, I don't, like, woo, like, I'm, the, the character speaks. It's not necessarily a reflection of me. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to kill people. So, <laughs> right? So whatever. Right. Right. So I, I'm always also afraid that people are going to read the stuff and be like, wow, you are kind of a twisted little thing, aren't you? <laughs> Stephen King. Back to Stephen King. Back to Stephen King. <laughs> right. Right. I tell my husband, I'm like, I love true crime. I've listened to true crime podcasts, crime-related shows, true crime-related shows, like fictional and actual. Yeah. Um, like, I will listen and watch those all day long, but I'm like, I don't think I could write a book right. like that because I right. feel like it would put me in a really bad headspace, headspace. to be there. Yeah. So I'm like, fantasy, the book that I started that I stopped— 
um, yep. is like sci-fi fantasy, same as yours. Yeah, so yeah. it's, you know, that normal thing. Um, normal. A lot of people like those genres. It's all good. They're not typically disturbing books. Right. Um, So, like, we're good in this headspace. I get to make things up, set enough in the future, and you don't have to know about science in real life because you made it up. Right. That's true. Yeah, I just, I don't think I could be in that headspace to write like he does and like other authors do. Um, And I feel like I... I'm really good at puzzles, but I don't think I could make one. Like, I don't think I could do, like, a mystery. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, I'm good at solving the ending, but, like, I don't think I could make the puzzle myself. Put up all the clues and everything that you'd have to do to to weave it through. I thought I was going to be a horror writer. So I've been doing this long enough that it was before I had kids, and I thought I was going to be a horror writer. And then I had kids, and I just... I can't, right? Like, I don't need that headspace. I can't get into this, like, what's the craziest, awfulest thing that could happen? Because, yo, there's horror and there's no happy ending. I'm like, yeah. ooh, I just, I can't. I totally can't. <laughs> Off topic before, did you ever see the Facebook where she reads about the murder mysteries and she does her makeup while she does it? Uh-uh. Uh, you're talking Bailey Sarian? Is that who it is? I just, like, I she was, got black like, hair. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. And she'd do like these crazy murder mystery and makeup Monday. Yes. And yeah. I'm I'm not a makeup person, but I, I watch her in like fascination and she's putting on this while she's talking yeah. about murder. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I've watched not her recent stuff because I added a lot of things to my calendar. Um, yep. but I watched a lot of her newer stuff prior to September of last year. <laughs> so <laughs> I've seen everything prior to September of last year and everything since I've sporadically watched. Sporadically. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy how, but again, like I could never write that, but it's just fascinating listening to it and, and yeah. watching her put on makeup. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then there's so many like podcasts that are, tr- I've had several people while I've been doing lives narrating audiobooks, people mm-hmm. have been like, oh, you should do a true crime podcast. And I'm like, when would I have the time to research right. that? Right. <laughs> like, right. I would need right. a team to do the research for me and you then would. I could read it. Then you could read it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. Would you? I mean, I would probably feel kind of bad if you're reading. You're like, they did what? <laughs> right? like, what? 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 <laughs> I want to do that a lot of times. So like right now for the daily fiction, I'm doing Frankenstein. And for oh. a lot of that, I want to be like stopping and be like, He walks into, he makes the monster. He's in his, he leaves his room because he's afraid of the monster. He comes back and the monster's gone. And he's like, thank God. And I'm like, where's the monster? (laughs) Where did it go that you're not like, oh, I've let it loose into society. No, you're like, oh, thank God it's not in my bedroom anymore. Let me lock the door now (laughs) so it can't come back in. (laughs) But I'm just reading the story yes. i'm not yes. commentating on the yes. story which that might be an interesting like side like to have the reading and then have you watching your reading and doing the commentary pause and this is the part i'm thinking what the heck was he doing yeah pause. <laughs> that'd be a good youtube one have the like right, <laughs> listen <right>. back <laughs> I need I feel like you need someone else to do that part though. Like I feel like it'd be weird to listen to myself Just and video. it's your twin, right? It's your evil twin. You're like your sarcastic <laughs> twin. I mean, I already narrate under two different names, so There you go. It's see? the other me, but it's my family knows me. about one and not the other. So. Oh, it's probably racy. 
Yeah, when I started doing fiction, I was using all the nonfiction I did. So I started my first five books I did under my own name. And then I was like, we should probably use a pseudonym. So I start using a pseudonym. I did all the nonfiction. And then I get, like tell the family about the fiction podcast and whatever, whatever. And then this year I start landing fiction. And the first one was like a nice, like sweet romance. Um, But in talks with that author, she was like, hey, I have a book coming out that's going to be kind of like Fifty Shades of Grey. And I'm like, hmm, maybe we should not narrate this under the name that people know about. So (laughs) because the two don't generally cross. Freya was born. Yeah. So then Freya, I mean, I read everything too, but like we're talking about my mother-in-law's coming into town and I'm like, oh God, I got to hide. I just got the Never King books. Um, (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, we're going to hide those while she comes. (laughs) Because I don't want to hear it. I mean, it's my house. I'm going to read what I want, but I don't want to hear about it. Right. Right. I don't want to be judged on my reading. I just want to (laughs) read. Yeah. Yeah. So for the, um, and I had the first the first couple books were okay, and now I've done quite a few erotica books, and so yep. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm glad they all know that I narrate, and most of them listen to the podcast, which is all classic novels. So I'm like, classic novels, you get a little more leeway. Yeah. Plus, they yep. didn't really write but erotica back then, not, ones yeah. back then. I mean, it was really. it was different. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I'm like, yeah, that's you know, we're relatively safe. With those, plus they're classic. So what are you going right. to say about a classic novel? Right, right. But yeah, for this like new stuff, I'm like, oof, I start one next week that's like, it, it'll be the spiciest one that I've narrated so far. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. The other one, comparing it to the previous erotica ones I did, I'm like, those ones should have been like spicy romance. And this one is definitely erotica. Erotica. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, God. But it's popular <laughs> and people like it, you know? Yes. So. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. It's um, for you. I'm sure it's a little bit weird because sci-fi is typically a male dominated genre. Mm -hmm. Have you had any do people even know that you're a woman? Like, (laughs) have you had any comments on you're a woman. You can't write in this genre. No, you know, I, I have. This is. I'm in a. I'm in a, a Facebook sci-fi group that I really, really love. But there's there's this divide between the hard science fiction and sort of the softer science fiction. Okay. So as soon as you have any sort of fantasy elements, or if the science isn't quite like up to spec, like I've got some things with like um, relativity and. Um, uh, the way that time travel and time dilation and that kind of jazz and how it would work in the universe. But um, there's some things that like if a physicist were to read what I said, they'd be like, you're so full of poo. The equations don't work that way. Right. But <laughs> it's but fantasy. So, I can say what I want. Exactly. And that's why. <laughs> so, you know, I say I write science fantasy. And so on the book, the group, which is mostly men, mm-hmm. they're like, oh, so you write fantasy. And I'm like, well, no, the science is there. So yeah. it is a legit, you know, it's science fantasy is a legit, you know, Anne McCaffrey did it. It was, you know, this thing. And, and well, no, well, when so you're it's on not Amazon really too, they're like, when you're, you know, going right. down from books, fantasy? sci-fi fantasy yes. is a heading. Yes. So that's the only thing that I've had is sort of a, um, you know, if you don't write hard sci-fi, then you're not really writing hard sci-fi <laughs> yeah. is what I've gotten. But I've never gotten, I mean, I, I work in IT, so it's a male-dominated society. I'm used to, you know, guys yeah. and I can give it just as well as I can take it. So <laughs> I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, why don't you just focus on your book and I'll focus on my book and we'll just, you know, stay in our own lanes. Yep, and it'll be (laughs) fine. And you write hard sci-fi, great. (laughs) 
I don't. <laughs> I couldn't. My husband listened to the audiobook for Moby Dick. And he okay. was it Moby Dick. No, it's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Okay. And he Feels had only. Firm? Yes. Yeah. And he had okay. only like read the abridged version previously. So he's listening to the unabridged audiobook. And he's like, oh. I had no idea there was so much science in that oh, book. In that so, book. Yeah, he's like, there was, I don't remember how long he said, some ridiculously long time of them just going over science and stuff of this, yeah. you know, submarine and all that. And, and you can't, in today's days, you can't do that, really. I'm like, no. I mean, you're going to lose readers. You have, yeah. you have to, it has to be as, as good as it can be and as understandable as possible without bogging it down. And a pretty it's good almost as bad as backstory. Right. Like you don't want to dump the, the two paragraphs of and 2000 years ago, blah, 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 happened. Right. Like that's that's not going to the same way you can't say, OK, so here's how time dilation works. You know, you kind of like <laughs> <laughs> you have to breadcrumb it like little Bread, bits exactly. as you go. Or this just is relevant so get right it. now. Yeah. Like this is relevant for this part right here. Yes. So I have to drop it. So this makes sense. <laughs> this makes sense because she um, ravine in this, you know, the book that's about to come out, um, she takes an almost fastest light drive. Mm-hmm. And so that means she's going like 99% of light, which means her time is shorter than what the rest of the universe is. And the equation works out to be about one year of her traveling is about 22 years for earth. Mm-hmm. And so I had to kind of explain that, that that's just kind of part of the science and going almost as fast as light and, yeah. you know, yeah. And keep it consistent and just like remind them of the facts. So they're not like, wait a minute, how come 22 years goes? Well, cause she's going almost as fast as light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, and this is why. <laughs> and this is why. But I don't want to, like, I'm not going to put the equation on the book. Well, first of all, I wouldn't be able to solve for it. And second of all, like, woo, <laughs> people close that book so fast and throw it. <laughs> so I had to somewhat science for the book that I stopped writing. Um, it's like, I don't remember what COVID number I gave it, but it's like COVID, like, say, 30. Yeah. And they're like, you know, there's this disease that's around and no one has been able to come up with a vaccine. And so they're like, have come up with this thing that accidentally gives people superpowers. Yes. And so, like, in all of this, I'm like, I don't want the entire world to have superpowers. I want it right. to be like a pretty small percentage. So right. I'm like, what percentage of the world? And I'm not going to tell what. Right. My thing is, I don't want to give it away because I will eventually work on this book. Um, but I'm like, I need a small enough percentage, like, you know, 1% or less of the world's population, ideally. So I'm like, what yep. percentage of the world has done this? Okay, now let's you know narrow that down a little bit. So people have had this done. What percentage of the world has had this done? Like, just right. bring it down to right. a How many, They're redheaded number. who've been exposed to this chemical, <laughs> who live on a farm, who... Yeah. Yeah. So and then it's um, I guess it's kind of the mystery aspect because then they can't figure out why. So they have like you would do with the vaccine. They've tested it on a certain, you know, group. Yep. I don't remember how many people it was, but only two in this group end up with some kind of power. So they're like, well, what's the commonality between us that we don't share with the other people. With the other people. And so, um, you know, eventually that will be. So it's kind of dropping like breadcrumbs along the way of like, well, we're looking into their medical charts. What's happened to them right. in the past? Like, have right. they. But there's so much data, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's so much data on a person's life and what thing is relevant. And what things in my book did your mom never tell you? Right. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Love it. Love so, it. Like, that's. 
Um, that's what it ends up being. The the big giveaway is his mom never told him that this happened in his life. And so it's the guy that's running the experiment didn't ever pull his medical record because he didn't tell anyone he had given himself the shot. So, <laughs> right. so then it's, you know, then they are basically as as one would be in a novel there. The government says, all right, we have to distribute this to the world now that we figured this out. Right. And. And they're, of course, like, we're not going to tell anybody that we have superpowers. Like, right. only right. two of us out of like a thousand have it. So we should be fine. We should be fine. <laughs> and of oh, course, you know, be interesting. as things happen in a book, things go downhill very quickly. Right. right. Because <laughs> books are logical, right? Yeah. They're always logical. There's cause and effect and it goes down. You yeah. don't end up as many random. Like you have to explain everything and it has to make sense. It has to make sense for your world, the rules of your world as you built them. So do you plan your books out ahead of time or do you fly by the seat of your pants? I'm a pantser. Okay. So I figured out recently that I am a pantser up to a certain point Mm -hmm. and then my brain freaks out and then I have to figure out everything. So like this, (laughs) yeah. So you start writing and then you go, crap, where do I go next? Right. I I keep writing. And then my brain, like, like I was telling you about like being stuck. So the, the current mouse, I'm working on mouse right now, and there's this part that has to happen. And I'm really struggling with, well, what direction should it go? And when I, I what I recognized was I didn't understand, okay, I'm going to back up. I do really complicated things in my head for these books. And so <laughs> okay. I have like this causal, you know, because it's a time travel book, the original Ravine had a thing that she did that caused her to come up with alien, like meet aliens and caused her to do all this other kind of jazz. And then it caused infighting. And then there's another version of her. And then there's another version of her okay. and another version. Right. And so I had to kind of understand what all the different players were doing because it's all supposed to come together in that. Yeah. Book. So I ended up having to sort of plot out all these different, not the specifics necessarily, but what their motivation was. Yeah. What did they want? What did the alien that had his civilization destroyed want? Yeah. Right. Was it to go home? Was it, uh, you know, and then you start asking more questions. So yeah. I, I do pants it up to a point and then I have to plot. I think yeah, mine... a plotzer. So a mythology book I have like the overall I haven't even started like plotting plotting that one yet I have like a general idea of like main plot points I know I want to have um the other book I have like you know I want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen um in my head but then I had characters fight it because sometimes I have that and then my characters fight it and they're like no I don't want to do that um I haven't had that happen yet no one's fought any I haven't gotten to any so far it's still the like it hasn't gone worldwide and they still haven't figured out like why they both have it so that's going to be like a huge thing later on um but the at the beginning like my prologue it's like a snippet from later in the book a very short like three paragraph snippet from later in the book yeah and so I had and I kept it short for a reason and it could go longer as I keep writing the book. I had one author I showed it to, and he was like, it's such a short prologue. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, some people hate prologues. Absolutely. I'm like, it's a snippet from later in the book. If someone chooses not to read the prologue, it's still later in the book. So it's fine. Right. Um, But then it was like, the first chapter is six weeks later. So I had to kind of plot to make sure I knew where, have we made it to six weeks yet? Because I didn't want to be like, 
we're going to go over every day of their lives for the next six weeks. No, right, like a week happening. after this or three days later, like whatever. Right. Um, you know, skip chunks of time. You don't need to go over every single minute of their lives for the and f- please next don't. six so weeks. New no. authors out there, please, dear God, don't. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> no. And my husband's working on his book and his is also superheroes. Um, but his is, um, they're like in this college class or whatever. And so his, he's like going over like the classes and the schedule. So for the first couple chapters, it makes sense that you are following them for the first couple days of classes because right. in a college setting, typically your classes are going to change from day to day. Right. Um, but then he skips time because you don't need to follow the same five classes right. or however many classes. Because right. a month later is when the inciting incident happens that makes yeah. everything. Yeah. So jump to, yeah. you know, a week before the exciting incident happened or a couple days before and be like, yep. here's what led to that happening. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that's something I feel like is a good tip. I mean, you need to know where your book is going yes. to an extent. Yes. Otherwise, why are you writing? Yes. <laughs> what is what is your story? What was the idea in your what was your dream that you're trying to solve? <laughs> right. And even the 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 pantsers, what I've heard, the the way it's represented in some of the other people that I talk to is more like it's like you've got your hunk of clay and there's a statue underneath it. And so you're feeling your way to the thing that you're doing. So you do still have an end goal. You just might not be consciously aware of it. I always am. I'm like, oh, I think this is what's gonna happen. I'm aiming for this. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to, I don't know if you've seen Golden Angel on TikTok. Um, she said, when I talked to her, she said she had one book where she, compl- well, she plans out all of her books, but she has one where she ended up putting the plan up on her Patreon because her plan changed, like the actual book and the plan look nothing alike. So she's oh, like, fun. here's what this book was supposed to be. <laughs> yep. Not but anything that's good like for that. Her embracing it, right? I mean, yeah. she probably made a fabulous book when, when you know done. Like the plan would have been great, and she came up with something even better, probably. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And then there's some where you're like, I know that this needs like eventually in my book, they're going to have to figure out why the people are getting superpowers. Like that's right. just has to happen when you're dealing with a what's this giant mystery thing. Yeah. Um, but the how and why they find out can constantly change. Yes. So. Yep. That's the anchoring event. Yeah. Or or like I'll do something where I'll be three quarters of the way through the book and something happens. And I realized that there was something there that hadn't been mentioned before. You know, the MacGuffin, whatever it is, the the ray gun, the, you know, the test results, whatever. <laughs> right. And so you have to go back and be like, all right. Chapter three means I need to set it up. Chapter four, I need to make sure that it gets seen. Chapter five, I need to make sure, you know, whatever, so that it it works. And it's not just a boom, there it is, that it it makes sense in the context of the story. Well, and that's (laughs) where, you know, drafts two, three, four, five hundred come into play. (laughs) Because you have to, when you go back and read through it, you realize, oh, crap, I changed the eye color halfway through the book. I had disappearing dogs. (laughs) <laughs> we call them the teleporting dogs so these dogs were super central to them and then for the next two chapters they were gone and then they showed up again and i and you know i read and i had the, the editor go so teleporting dogs like what happened to them were they just like i was like oh <laughs> whoops <laughs> i've had a couple of um i'm working on or i just finished an audiobook today um, and as I was reading through the book, I was like, hey, I have a question about, you know, whatever. And he says, because <laughs> I'm very upfront with my authors, if it's going to give away something in a later book, I don't want to know about it right now. You can right. just say that's, 
you know, plot spoiler. Um, and so, like, a couple times I'll be like, hey, you know, what's going on with this? Because, like, do I need to know something about this later on that's going to help me, you know, narrate this better? Um, if right. it's going to help me narrate it, then I have to know the answer. If yeah. it's just, you know, that's going to totally ruin it, just narrate it however you want to, then I'll do it that way. <laughs> but yeah. I've had a few where it's like, um, who is this random character that's on the phone for like two sentences and then he disappears like who is that character because it felt like a really important part right but then he's not in any of the rest of the book yep (laughs) and what did they say were they like oh yeah it was no it was oh this is his name he shows up this particular series that i'm working on is a series of interconnected series Uh, and so it's like he's in like the next series he's like one uh, of the main characters yep yep. they do that a lot of romances too where they they try to get you interested in the side characters so you'll read the rest of the book yeah yeah Yeah, so that's that's a great tactic i mean he's like a hitman so he says like I'm looking at the targets or like, you know, some big like, <laughs> something, you know, I'm clearly a hit, man. But like what he was saying, I was like, it was so specific that I'm like, does right. this matter or does this not matter? Is this just like a random hit man or is he important right. later? <laughs> like, yeah. What should his voice sound like? Sometimes right. I have to ask when I only have three sentences. Three sentences, <laughs> right. Because you don't want to get it wrong and have, you know, the next time they're like, wait a minute, how did Whiny Butt turn into this, you know, alpha guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I had that happen with a book where she was like, um, the author at the end was like, why did you give the character this like bubbly blonde voice? Like she's going to end up in the later books like the boss of the organization and i said um you described her as not wanting to get dirty and thinking that everyone was yucky and she was blonde and bubbly like did you redo did you have to redo all of that or did you no. just make it work okay no because she was like can we bring her voice down closer to the main character and i said we can't make them sound the same they're in too many scenes together like right. that's true yeah <laughs> the main character true. has to stay the main character and yep. she's just gonna have to be the blonde bubbly person you can make her a little bit you know rougher later on but like right. her voice needs to be unique because she's a main character yeah so it no part of the job <laughs> Occasionally, yeah, you gotta, occasionally you got to talk the author down for like, um, that requires almost re-recording the entire book. Right. And and you should have <laughs> caught that sooner, right? Because don't you do voice demos for each of the characters where you actually have like little snippets for each of the characters so that they can. I um, do not typically okay. for all the characters. I'll do like the first 15 minutes of a book, which that character was in the first 15 minutes of the book. There you go. Um, okay. But yeah, it's called, so I get most of my work from ACX, and for that one, it's called a first 15. I typically just do the first 15 minutes, because I've already auditioned with the piece that they thought was the, you know, this is the piece that's going to make or break the narrator for this book. I've already auditioned with that piece, so like, (laughs) um, but yeah, the rest of the characters, I mean, as long as it makes sense, and I'll tell authors, like, I will up to a point, but you wrote your characters a certain way, and I took notes as I read for how you described these characters. Right. And then you get, as a narrator, you get where, you know, the main character is normally going to have my voice, and the main male character is going to have a slightly lower version of my voice, and, like, the bubbly right. blonde is going to have this particular voice, and the old man is going to sound like this. Like, you just get in your little yeah. lanes of... Characters yep. described a certain way are going to sound a certain way. A certain way. I mean, as they should. 
Yeah. yeah. So if you listen to all of my audiobooks back to back, it's going to sound very repetitive because I use the same voices a lot. <laughs> it's like you only have one voice. <laughs> I know. Right? <laughs> I know. It's like it's like my voice is my voice. Is your voice. Like, what's up with that? <laughs> so as an author, what is a piece of advice you wish you had gotten before you started writing? Um. So the thing that I wish that I would have known before I started writing, um, so that it's a little bit complex, but it really, well, there's two. Okay. So the first one is you are who you are and the way that you do things isn't necessarily wrong. So being a pantser or being a plotter or being, a you know, needing to walk and talk about your book or having to write on a journals or, you know, doing a big painting, like whatever your process is, it's you and embrace mm-hmm. it and use it. And don't, don't, don't do a plot because someone told you that's the only way to do a book, right? right. Like find your path and then do the things that feel good that keep you moving forward. Try lots of things, right? And then find your thing and then do it. Mm-hmm. And don't let somebody tell you that there's only one way of completing a book because that's kind of BS. Besides yeah. like, right, that's, so that would be the the first thing. And the, the second thing is a little bit weirder, like, you know that different genres have different expectations, right? So a Mm -hmm. romance has a different expectation on what the voice is and everything else. A mystery has a different expectation. Nonfiction has a different expectation. So if you have something that you're writing that's a fantasy, say, and you give it to a mystery reader to get feedback on, you're going to get mystery reader feedback, right? Right. You're not going to get fantasy reader feedback. And so making sure that you are getting the appropriate feedback from the appropriate set, like who your reader is, I think is super important. Well, that's as simple as asking, do you like to read the genre? (laughs) Right, right. But not even thinking of asking that, that it's just feedback and all feedback is good feedback. I mean, I think, you know, if they hate fantasy, it's not going to be helpful. Or you're a nonfiction author and you're trying to give, you know, fantasy feedback, like that's not necessarily helpful because there's different expectations. So. Yeah. Yeah. There was an author I talked to that her editor that she used didn't like her genre. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she when she she has it edited as she should, she puts it up and all the reviews were like, oh, gosh, this is terribly edited. It needs work on it, whatever. And then she finds out he doesn't even like her genre. So (laughs) I'm like, but. As an editor, that should have been made clear. Yeah, it should have also, been. Also, if you're editing a book, a book is still a book. So but there's different expectations. Like um, mystery readers, I figured out, were much more like they expect things to be very precise, right? They want to see. And so there's a lot of precise in romance readers. As long as you can like get them caught by the people and wanting to know <laughs> what's going on, they will give you a lot of rope. But if you're the editor on that, sentence structure is still sentence structure. That's true. Like it's <laughs> true. But there's also like artistic things where you have your fragments when you're supposed yeah. to and you've got your maybe not commas places, you're really not supposed to do that. But there's things that you would do, you know, that are for because it sounds good instead of it's edit, you know, instead of right. uh, grammatically good. When I saw one author or one uh, editor talked about like learn you should learn the rules of like how it's supposed to be, and then you can bend or break the rules yep. based, you know, if they need to be bended or broken be. for your right. book. Because not every book, if every single book had exactly perfect grammar structure, we would all be bored to death. Yes. Like, 
We absolutely would. Yep. Agreed. Well, that is pretty good advice. Because, yeah, that's, I never thought about, I mean, I just sit on my couch and type. Um, but I guess some people, I think I ha- heard of one author that was in, like painted a painting and then that inspired a book. Yep. I've got a girlfriend that I do sprints with and she periodically will do like hand puppet plays. Like she'll do like hand puppet plays for her, her scene because she wants to figure out where the people are and like do like the mental blocking and having puppets helps her. And she writes some some, amazing stuff. Right. So I'm like, Hey, it totally works. I may have narrated a romance that would have benefited from sock puppet position help. (laughs) Would the third arm come? Did the third arm come with no alien? (laughs) No, no, no. It uh, The position that the female ended up in would have been incredibly uncomfortable for the things happening in the scene. Ooh. And I'm like, maybe maybe we didn't try to picture in our heads what it would be like if her arms were like strapped behind her, not like up above her head, like sitting Ooh. in an upward position with her arms like stretched out behind her. I'm like, this would that would have Ooh. been so painful yeah. in that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Doesn't matter how in the moment you are, that right. would have been incredibly painful. <laughs> so, and I had to read the scene like three times to make sure like I wasn't just reading it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what? Again, the commentary would have been like, you know, pause. What the heck? Did this work? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're like, did I read that right? Okay, they were in this position. And yeah. then they moved like that, and then Can they did imagine? that next. Honey, nope, I need nope. your help. <laughs> so sock puppets. We're we're sock gonna puppets. puppet shows to figure out to figure logistics. Out. Yep. yep, yep. She totally does that, and it's awesome. <laughs> I've heard uh, a couple authors say they'll watch spicy videos to figure oh, out yeah. if things are possible. Right. Is that an actual thing? Let's Google it. Let's Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel like that's, you could end up in some really creepy rabbit holes. Oh, I know. People like so many different things. And so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and we're both probably like, I'm, I know I'm like, my face is totally red right now. I'm in a hot closet. So like. <laughs> oh, I like that. I'm in the hot closet too. That's why my face is red. Yeah. <laughs> That's happened a couple times while I've been on like lives. People will be like, "Why is your face getting so red?" And I'm like, "It's totally because I'm in a really hot closet, <laughs> not not because I'm narrating a spicy scene and like a hundred of you are watching me do this." Right. Going poop. Where's the fan? <laughs> in the floorboard, but it's very quiet, so it doesn't move air very fast. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we are about done and you just cool. gave your tips. So I'm not going to ask if you have any final tips because you just <laughs> you just did that. <laughs> so um, I want to say thank you very much for your time today. Thank you this so was, much for having me. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Bye-bye. <laughs> Claudia liked Aesop's fables growing up. Aesop's Fables, or the Aesopica, is a collection of fables credited to Aesop, a slave and storyteller believed to have lived in ancient Greece between 620 and 564 BCE. Of diverse origins, the stories associated with his name have descended to modern times through a number of sources, and continue to be reinterpreted in different verbal registers, and in popular as well as artistic media. 
The fables originally belonged to oral tradition and were not collected for some three centuries after Aesop's death. By that time, a variety of other stories, jokes, and proverbs were being ascribed to him, although some of that material was from sources earlier than him or came from beyond the Greek cultural sphere. The process of inclusion has continued until the present, with some of the fables unrecorded before the late Middle Ages and others arriving from outside Europe. The process is continuous and new stories are still being added to the Aesop corpus, even when they are demonstrably more recent work and sometimes from known authors. Manuscripts in Latin and Greek were important avenues of transmission, although poetical treatments in European vernaculars eventually formed another. On the arrival of printing, collections of Aesop's fables were among the earliest books in a variety of languages, through the means of later collections and translations or adaptations of them. Aesop's reputation as a fabulist was transmitted throughout the world. Initially, the fables were addressed to adults and covered religious, social, and political themes. They were also put to use as ethical guides and from the Renaissance onwards were particularly used for the education of children. Their ethical dimension was reinforced in the adult world through depiction in sculpture, painting, and other illustrative means, as well as adaptation to drama and song. In addition, there have been reinterpretations of the meaning of fables and changes in emphasis over time. Today we'll be reading The Lion and the Hare, one of Aesop's fables. Don't forget we're reading Les Mortes d'Arthur, the story of King Arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes. The Lion and the Hare A lion came across a hare, who was fast asleep. He was just in the act of seizing her when a fine young heart trotted by, and he left the hare to follow him. The hare, scared by the noise, awoke and scudded away. The lion was unable, after a long chase, to catch the heart, and returned to feed upon the hare. On finding that the hare also had run off, he said, I'm rightly served, for having let go of the food that I had in my hand for the chance of obtaining more. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. We'll be taking a break for the holidays for the next couple of weeks, but sign up for our newsletter and we look forward to seeing you in 2023.